Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very good afternoon to you. It's Thursday afternoon, fresh thinking time, and you are with me, Rabbi Shishler, until 3 o'clock, talking today as we always do about, well, we like to look at things from a different perspective, right? Let's take classical concepts in Judaism or contemporary events, happening issues, and explore them from a different perspective. And that's why the door is always open at any time. If you would like to bring up a topic that you'd like discussed on one of our upcoming shows, well, by all means, why don't you do that? You can email on air at chaifm.com. Otherwise, during the course of the show, the best way to stay in touch is by WhatsApp on 0618951019, or you can SMS 34519. Or you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. So there's basically two modes of how we do things in this show. Either we take something that's a contemporary issue and try to see it through the lens of Judaism and Torah. Or we take something that is a classic Jewish concept and try and see it through fresh eyes. And that's what we're going to be doing today. In fact, it's uh, inspired by the Torah reading, the parasha of the week that we'll be reading this coming Shabbos and Shul because it invokes one of the, uh, shall we say, classic moments, infamous moments in Jewish history, one of the, the lowest troughs of the Jewish spiritual experience. We're going to read this week about the debacle of the golden calf in all of its detail. It's very interesting because the Torah doesn't really shirk the opportunity to to share the detail. There's quite a lot of detail that the Torah goes into. And sometimes I wonder if people are even aware of the level of detail, the degree of, of detail that it goes into. So we are going to be reading about the golden calf this coming Shabbos. It's not the time of the year when the actual event occurred, but this follows the chronology of the Torah as we started on Simchas Torah, and this is where we're up to. So my question for you, just to get the conversation going here, and I'm intrigued because doing a little bit of market research before getting here gave me the sense that there will be certain knee-jerk reactions to what I'm about to ask. So we all know that the golden calf was this horrible blight on the Jewish nation's history. There they were at Mount Sinai, and they turned their back, it would appear, to, to God and, and just did something that was so disgusting and so antithetical. So my question is, what would you consider the golden calf of the 21st century. See, one thing that's important about the Torah is that the Torah is not a book that's stuck in some kind of a time warp 3,300 years ago. The Torah is a dynamic and eternal book. Torah means instruction. That's what it means. That comes from the word hora'ah, which means lesson or instruction. And the the reason we keep re-reading the Torah portions again and again and again every single year, even though we've heard that story before, in all of that detail before, with the same incantations and the same cantillations and the same sounds and the same tunes. And you can wonder, you know, why is it that we have to go through the same thing again and again? Well, the reason is because the lessons, although the original story might be a story that is historic, but the lesson and the application is current. So if there was a golden calf 3,300 years ago, and there was a, it, it was a literal 
entity was a, a thing that they made out of gold and that people bowed to, well, then you have to know that there's a golden calf at any given point in history on the micro and on the macro level. So there's a golden calf in your personal experience. There's a golden calf on the global stage. There might be a golden calf on the communal level. So that's why I think it's a valid question. To ask, and this is how we should approach every single thing that we read in the Torah, what is the relevance or what is the modern incarnation of this particular thing? So if I had to tell you golden calf, and you probably, in your mind, you probably have a picture right now of a golden calf. I'm curious, by the way, if you have a picture of an oversized golden calf, this massive thing that everybody could see from a distance, or was it a two-scale golden calf? And there, that's why it was only really the people who were up front and close by who worshipped it. But in any event, every one of us has a picture in our minds of what the golden calf looked like. And then by association, you probably also have a thought in your mind of what the golden calf represents. Now, if the Torah tells us that there was a golden calf then, the implication is that there is a golden calf now. If the Torah tells us that that was this serious undermining of the Jewish experience and of our relationship with God, that that implies that there will be something, or perhaps you'll say some things, that do exactly the same. They completely undermine and completely challenge our relationship with God and our spiritual and Jewish experience. So my question is, what would you put on your list? What would you identify as the golden calf or plural golden calves of today's world? And then I suppose if we have some time and we explore this, we can probably then ask questions along the lines of, and what do you do? What do you do about it? What do you do for it? How do you, how do you deal with a golden calf? I suppose that that would be the next stage of the questioning. So my question is to start off, what would you consider today in the 21st century to be the golden? And I don't know if there's one, but to be a golden calf. Can we say that? That might make it a little bit easier for people to relate to, right? What would be a golden calf in today's world? And, uh, sure enough, as I, kind of anticipated there are those knee jerk reaction responses that people send in and, and it's kind of to be expected because that is what happens so the first response always and I, I, i'm not surprised in the slightest that this should be the first response first response that somebody sent is the iphone now to be perfectly honest i'm sure that whoever said iphone uh, iphone didn't specifically mean an apple product i think that um, a person thinking that the iPhone is the golden calf of today really means to say the smartphone, right? I think that that's probably fair. We'd probably we can all agree on that. Uh, oh, there you go. Two people. Two people <laughs> two people saying the same thing. iPhone, how's that for a, a quick response? People saying that the iPhone, in other words, the smartphone is the golden calf of today. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons is... Because I think that the golden calf had no redeeming qualities and the smartphone does have redeeming qualities, don't you think? Because it could be used in a highly positive way if you, like me, have family who lives overseas and you want to be able to be in touch with them and, and video call your children or your parents or your grandparents, something like that. Well, then the smartphone is quite a positive thing. So why would you say necessarily that it is automatically the golden calf of today. Here's Hoda by WhatsApp who says, 
my picture is money, not the currency of the soul. So money, the golden calf of today. And I'm not surprised about that either, by the way. I'm not surprised because to say that money is a golden calf, well, there's the obvious association with gold. And, of course, I think many people naturally see money as something which is worshipped. So would you agree with that? We've got two contenders so far for the title of Golden Calf of the 21st Century. And those would be the smartphone and money. By the way, just just on that point about money, is that something that is unique to the 21st century? Because money might well have been an idol of society for a very long time, perhaps even the longest time. So is it different? I'm asking the question. Is it fundamentally different? The association that we have with money, the obsession that we have, perhaps even the worship that people may have of money, of wealth, is that necessarily something new? I don't know. Let's let's put it out there. But so for the two contenders for modern version of the golden calf are the smartphone and Money. Now, here's an interesting SMS. It's an anonymous SMS that says all the materialistic, clicky Jews of today. Now, <laughs> that's that's obviously going to open uh, a whole lot of questions. For example, what does that mean? The materialistic, clicky Jews of today. Are, are you saying that they are people who worship materialism as a golden calf, or are you saying that they themselves are the golden calf, which is probably a little bit out of context because I don't think anybody's well, maybe, maybe people do worship materialistic, clicky people. Maybe, maybe that's exactly the point. I'm not sure if you could elucidate a little bit of what that SMS and which direction it's going, but maybe that is exactly the point that there are certain people who, uh, I suppose from the outside look to be very clicky and look to be very materialistic. And then there are all sorts of people who want to be like them. So perhaps that's the suggestion. I'm not sure it's an anonymous SMS. I'd love to have a little bit more clarity on exactly which direction that's going, but it is an interesting point and it certainly comes back to the question of money. So what would you say is the modern version, the 21st century version of the Golden Calf, 34519, if you want to send us an SMS. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019, and you can always tweet at FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So that is what happens, I suppose, once you start this kind of a conversation. You don't necessarily know, and you certainly can't control where it is going to go. So my question is, we are going to read this Shabbos about the golden calf, and it's a a horrific story because you think about how. How could people lose their way so quickly, so easily? So I'm asking the question. It's all very well to blame people who lived three millennia ago. But perhaps history repeats itself, perhaps human behavior and psychology that we read about in the ancients, in the Torah, perhaps the exact same kind of thing afflicts us. And so that's why I'm asking the question, what would you say is the 21st century version of the golden calf? We've had two suggestions that it is the smartphone. We've had one suggestion from Hoda that it is money. And we've had another suggestion that it is the materialistic, clicky Jews of today. But I'm still not sure if that means that the Jews are the golden calf or the worshippers thereof. Here's Elizabeth on Twitter. He has an ironic comment, obviously, on Twitter saying social media. <laughs> social media is the golden calf of today. And I can understand why people would say 
the smartphone or money or social media because these are things that have become central and obsessive in our lives. And, of course, I generalize because there will be people out there who say, but I don't have any social media accounts. And there will be people out there who genuinely don't care for money and materialism. So needless to say, this is speaking in broad strokes and uh, generically and, and generally. But I think I think we've got to delve a little bit more deeply. You know, it's easy. That's what I said at the beginning. I expect that we'll get knee-jerk responses. So we kind of think of it almost in two-dimensional thinking. That It's not a 3D kind of an experience. In other words, maybe it's because it's so far back in history or maybe it's because it's something which is so foreign, a golden calf in its original form is so foreign to our reality. So to say that or to try and imagine a deeper meaning isn't what comes to mind. I mean, we just try and make a, a direct association. There was a golden calf and there's people bowing to it. So let's just think for a moment what's everybody kind of fixated on. Oh, money. That's what people are fixated on. Oh, social media. That's what people are fixated on. And we go there. But I think we, well, the Torah expects us to just scrape a little bit more of the surface and, and get more deeply into this. And perhaps rather than just trying to do a face swap between golden calf and social media or smartphones or money, let's ask a more profound question. You can't actually comment on this. You can't have this conversation about what is the golden calf of today until you've un, uh, uncovered and exposed what the golden calf represented. So perhaps that's a better question to ask. What would you say the golden calf represents? Not in just the modern term, in an abstract sense. In other words, if you had a argument say, for, for, for argument's sake, let's say that a person had to say, what does the Torah represent? So you could say it represent a code, a code of ethics and morality and dedication to God. Actually, dedication to God more than ethics and morality. So that's what it represents. So what does the golden calf represent in its abstract form, in its conceptual level? Because that will help us to be able to extrapolate and to be able to apply it and to be able to relate it to our world. So that's why... It's fair. It's fair to, to make the association and say golden calf equals money. It's fair to say golden calf equals smartphones. But I don't know if that allows us the opportunity to dig deeply enough into the uh, experience and to understand what it really is that we're dealing with. Remember that if the Torah teaches us a lesson, then the Torah's lesson is going to, by definition, it's going to be deep and it's going to be profound. So we owe it to ourselves and we certainly owe it to the story to peel away those layers and to try and find out what's going on over here. So if you had to think about it, go back, cast your mind back to the first time you ever came across the Golden Calf story and all the subsequent times that you read it or heard about it or discussed it, let's try and shift from this very superficial, almost primitive version that we have of a whole bunch of newly liberated slaves who have been exposed to a pagan world from their whole lives and now reverted back to that kind of thinking. Let's move away from that. Let's move away from the the rah-rah and the sheep herd mentality of people just, you know, flocking along and, and, and following the trend, if the trend happens to be Facebook or whatever. And it's just, let's try and, and unpack this thing a little bit more deeply. Here's another WhatsApp from Hodo who says, without money, there would be no golden calf. With money, we must remain humble. And so a big no to people being the golden calf. No to materialistic items. To believe to have faith in Hashem does not equal material items. Okay, so perhaps a few different things in that WhatsApp. 
People are not the golden calf. I, I tend to agree with that, by the way. I don't think that a person would become, well, I suppose you could turn a person into a golden calf. I suppose that that is an option. But to say people, society have become the golden calf, I would agree with Hoda that that is not, that is not the perspective that we should take. And, uh, Exactly on that point here we have ironic it's so funny when people make comments on social media that are in fact about social media, but I suppose that's not altogether surprising. So here's somebody saying the internet. It's very similar, right? Smartphones, the internet, social media. Uh here's another one also saying our phones. So definitely, definitely seems to be quite a I guess quite a common comment um, is that it's related to some kind of technology, which I don't surprise. It doesn't surprise me. Here's Michael who says, it's worship of celebrities, political leaders, and people with great wealth. That would be considered the golden calf of today. Now, that's interesting because that effectively is saying that you can possibly take a person. What was the golden calf? That's what I said. We've got to unpack this. What was the golden calf? It's a terrible mistake that people make in trying to interpret the story of the golden calf and saying it was outright idolatry. I mean, it is. It's classified as idolatry, but you've got to remember that the classification of idolatry in Jewish law is actually quite complex. What I mean to say is that there are behaviors which are only halachically considered idolatrous for a Jewish person, but would not be considered idolatrous, say, for example, for a non-Jewish person. What I mean to say is that even though we class the story of the golden calf as an idolatrous moment, it's not that cut and dry. It's not that simple. You have to bear in mind, what was the story? What motivated them? Why? Why did they want to have a golden calf in the first place? And this goes to Michael's point about celebrities. Or, or political leadership. Why did they want to have a golden calf? Let's ask that question. Perhaps somebody can shed some light on why they wanted to have a golden calf because that will talk to us. Why would we want golden calves in our lives? You know, when a person says that money is the golden calf of today's world, what, what do you actually mean by that? Because when you say money is the golden calf of today's world, yes, of course, people are obsessed and yes, of course, people want to have money. And the truth of the matter is that they probably want to have more money than they need to have. So there is that sense, there is that obsession, there is that focus on money. But is that really the same concept as the golden calf in the original Torah story? So that's why I think we have to ask the question, what motivated them? Why did they want to have a golden calf? I don't believe that today people pursue money for the same reason that the people in the desert pursued the golden calf. And that's an interesting part of this conversation because until we have a clear identity of what their motivation was, I'm not so sure that we're going to have a decent answer in terms of what it would be in today's world. So, again, it's easy for us to make associations and to, I suppose, cast aspersions and say we think, we imagine, it, it is this, it's that, or the other. All very nice, but how do we know? How do we know that we're making a, an association that is accurate, making an association that is appropriate? So, that's my question for you right now. If there's anybody who would like to just try a hand at this, what would you say is the definition? What was the motivation? Why did they want to make a golden calf in the first place? So if you've got a thought on that, please WhatsApp 0618951019 or SMS 34519. Otherwise, tweet, unless you're one of those people who thinks that social media is the golden calf. Tweet at Chai FM. Tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish.
Now, the iconic, well-loved President Hotel in Wind-Free Bantry Bay invites you to a glatt kosher, true Yom Tov Pesach experience with fabulous catering by Avron, delivering the highest level of kashrut and strict rabbinical supervision from Rabbi Sean Cannon under the auspices of the Cape Town Beth Din. Enjoy the President Hotel's magnificent, spacious rooms, exceptional personal service, children's program, and more. Explore the magic of Cape Town on Cholhamoyed to book and for further, further information, email Pesach at presidenthotel.co.za and use the booking code LD, those are the letters LD, to get your complimentary welcome hamper of wine, dried fruit, and chocolates. Sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I suppose if you're one of those people, I have my views on Pesach retreats. Won't be for now. But we're talking about, oh, maybe somebody's going to say that the Pesach getaways are the golden calf of the modern world. Hmm, that would be quite interesting. 34519, if you've just joined us, that's the SMS line. It is Fresh Thinking. You are with Rabbi Shishla talking today about the golden calf, which we will read about this coming Shabbos. And my question to you is, what is the golden calf in the modern age. Here's a WhatsApp that says, Science, golden calf was a replacement for God. Today, people replace him with science. Very interesting WhatsApp because it talks exactly to what I was asking. What was the motivation? Why did they want to have a golden calf? And there's the thing. Everybody automatically assumes that the objective of the golden calf was to replace God. But when you read the story, that's not what the story says. It's not what the story says. So let's quickly recap the story. Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. He receives the Torah. God announces the Ten Commandments, which is the intro, so to speak, to the Torah, or if you want to say the executive summary of what Judaism is all about. And then Moses spends 40 days on the mountain. Here's the critical part of the story. He spends 40 days on the mountain, and he had told everybody, gave them a heads up beforehand, that he's going to be up on the mountain for 40 days, and then he'll come down. And the idea was that he would then present them with the tablets. The issue arose when they felt that Moses was not coming back. Now, that's a critical part of the story, because that tells us that the motivation for the golden calf was not to replace God. Now, when people hear idolatry, that's naturally what you assume, right? You assume instead of God, we're going to now have this deity that we're going to sing and dance to and bring offerings, and that's going to bring us blessing. Now, that's that's if that were the case, if that were the case, then yes, absolutely. You could say that the golden calf of today is science. You could say the golden calf of today is money because these are things that people believe are going to become the source of their happiness or the source of their wisdom or the source of their blessing. But the story doesn't say that. The story says that they wanted to replace Moses. That's what happened. Moses went up the mountain. As far as they were concerned, the deadline had passed and he had not returned. If you read the commentary of Rashi on the story, the story was a lot more dramatic than that. There was a lot of strong evidence to suggest that Moses was never coming back from that mountain. By the way, no surprise, an 80-year-old man goes climbing up a mountain. Not a surprise if you think he's not coming back. And miracles are hen, miracles are hair, you know. You could understand where they were coming from. The objective of this golden calf was to replace Moses. Now, we've got to rethink. If you're going to talk about a modern version of the golden calf, then you have to be looking at something which is 
I guess, perceived as a replacement of a tzaddik, of a a, a, a being, a, a person, something, right, that's, that's associated with Moshe. And I think that's where we trip up on the story is that we, we, we constantly imagine that the golden calf was a replacement for God. And, and that is not how the story is told. Another WhatsApp over here from Hoda, who I think is going to get today's prize for the greatest interaction. Thank you. Says they wanted the golden calf, I think, because they needed to see what they were praying to. And that equals a lack of faith. So that absolutely, I think so many people relate to that idea. That the intangible, invisible, uh, yes, omniscient, omnipresent and all that kind of thing, but the fact is invisible God is difficult for people and they needed something to be able to connect. And by the way, that would talk directly to the story of Moses hasn't come down the mountain, we need something else. Moses was their tangible point of contact. Moses was the person who relayed the messages from God to them and allowed them the opportunity to relay their messages to God. So that would talk directly to exactly this point that they they needed something they needed something that was going to connect them that was going to create this association between them and god very very interesting very interesting glad somebody brought that up because i think it's a, a very interesting angle uh some other interesting ones coming up and this is where i guess this is where things do get interesting you know, once you start a conversation, you have all kinds of perspectives and all kinds of insights. Here's somebody saying, ego, our egos are the common, uh, not the common, sorry, the modern version of the golden calf. Here's Eugene on Twitter who says it's the unicorn. The unicorn is the golden calf of today. And he thankfully provided a link to what the unicorn is. And the idea is that the unicorn is a startup company that makes a billion dollars. Unicorn, why? Because never happened. Well, has it never happened? I don't know. That's that's the claim, at least. What do I know about these things? Now, here's a very interesting one. This is Sean on Twitter. Sean says that the golden calf of of today is to co-opt a political ideology. As a Jewish value. And I think this is so insightful. That's what I love about the show is that people really think and share things that are provoking and deep and meaningful. So here, let's take it out of that natural association. You know, it's like I say, it's very common. You expect that people are going to equate the golden calf with money. I wasn't surprised when people said that the golden calf today would be some form of technology or our phones or social media. But here's something interesting. So to co-opt a political ideology and call it a Jewish value. In other words, what happened? Let's go back again because I said if you look at what the if you look at what the motivation behind the golden calf was, it will help you to identify how it manifests today. So the golden calf manifesto, the golden calf motivation. Uh, among other things, was there's a version. Think about this. Let's put it into this context. There's a version of Judaism that is presented by God himself. It's the truth with a capital T. And that version of Judaism is very clear and unequivocal. And then suddenly you get a group of people who say, hey, hang on a second, but we have a different version. And I think if you want to get to the heart of what the golden calf issue was, that was the issue. A slight variation on a theme. You know, the, the, the cliche that they always say about parallel lines. If there's a modification of a fraction of a fraction of a degree between those parallel lines, down the tracks, they're going to be 
miles apart. And one of the things that Judaism talks about a lot, and this is one of the big lessons of the golden calf, is just a fractional deviation from the core message, from the truth, can land you up in very dangerous places. And that's exactly what happened over here with the golden calf. If anybody believes for one moment that the people serving the golden calf were out to reject God or to reject Judaism, then you then you've missed the point of who these people were. I mean you have to you have to consider that the Torah was not given to our generation. And the reason God gave the Torah to that generation was not just because they happened to be the people who he had liberated from Egypt. It, they were hand-picked. They were the creme de la creme. Yes, they had come off a very, very low base. So their, uh, their capacity, their knowledge, their exposure to Jewish values was nil, almost. I mean, they had retained some very basics. But their, their potential, their power was immense. They're called Dor Dea. They're considered a nation, a generation of understanding. They're considered to be some of the highest souls who ever lived. So if we imagine for one moment that what they did was some kind of outright crass rejection of God and Judaism and everything that they had just heard at Mount Sinai, that's a pathetic version of our people and it's a horrible version of the story. The truth is that it was just a slight deviation of the truth. And that's why Sean's insight is so on the money, because he says basically what happens is, and I, 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 I've actually tweeted Sean back to ask him if he might want to expound on that, because a couple of examples would be good. So, but if you if you think about this for a moment, how often does it happen that people choose a particular value set that either is popular at the time or happens to resonate with their personal credo and says? This is a Jewish value. Now, it's not necessarily a Jewish value. It might be your value or it might be a value which society at the moment happens to appreciate. But you like the fact that there's some loose connection to Judaism. And then you then reinterpret Judaism to suit that particular ideology. That might very well be a modern version of a golden calf. What do you think on 34519 or WhatsApp 0618951019? Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so this is starting to get interesting. Sean saying that a modern version of the golden calf is people taking a particular political ideology and claiming that it is actually Judaism. So I asked him if he might be able to give an example because uh, it's very interesting but general. So he tweeted back as follows. He said, on the left, Jewish practice is replaced by quote-unquote values like social justice and liberalism. On the right, intolerance and insular thinking are accepted as upholding tradition. Very insightful, kind of controversial, I guess, but I think he makes a very good point. Again, the purpose, the issue around the golden calf was a deviation from true Jewish values to a tailor-made, kind of resonates with me, this is how I think Judaism should look approach. And that's where we land up in all kinds of trouble because ultimately, you know, there's an incredible statement in the, there's a book called the Hayoim Yoim. It's a, one of the early books that the Rebbe, the Babacher Rebbe compiled. And it basically gives you a thought for every single day of the year. Nice, short, but profound thought. And one of the things that he says, and we read it not too long ago, it must have been about two weeks ago in the Hayoim Yoim, was that you get two kinds of laws 
You get laws that are defined by society, and those laws will always change. And you get laws that define society, and those are immutable. So when we talk about Judaism, and when we talk about Torah, and when we talk about God, it's immutable stuff. This is the way that it is. If God says that thou shalt not have any graven images before me, then it doesn't matter how compelling your particular argument is, why a golden calf is a good idea and actually going to spiritually enhance you. Fact of the matter is you've deviated off the path and it's going to land you up in a really terrible place. And I can assure you now that if we would have interviewed any of those people who were proponents of the golden calf moments before the project went ahead, they would have had such a convincing argument with Torah sources that you've probably never heard heard of before with depth and with insight with mysticism and with halachic backing and everything that you and i would probably have been totally out of sorts and we would not have known how to react to them and so in a modern context i think that that's that's why sean's point is so insightful because he's saying that's exactly what could happen people could decide we're we're in the name of Judaism, in the name of Judaism, we're going to do all kinds of things. We're going to allow all kinds of things that are antithetical to Judaism, but they're in the name of Judaism. Or we're going to insist on and clamp down on all kinds of things because perhaps it just ha- suits our version of Judaism, which is very black and white and, and very constricting. Got to be careful, right? You've got to be true to the message. True to the message. I think it's a very, very insightful point. It's interesting when you look at the mystical teachings – so we're told, I mean, have you ever wondered why out of all the things that they chose to use to worship or to replace Moses, more true to the story, why it was specifically a calf? Have you ever thought about them? Out of all the different possible things that came out of Egypt, you would have expected it to have been a sheep because that's what the Egyptians worshipped or perhaps a sphinx. Or something pyramid-like. I don't know. Where does the calf come into it? And the mystics tell us something phenomenally interesting, which is much later on in history, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision. And in his vision, he sees the divine throne. And the divine throne represents or manifests in various forms, which, and bear in mind that a throne is not a throne and it's not a physical entity and it's all metaphoric. But it manifests in four different ways, which are called the four faces of the divine chariot. And there is one manifestation which is metaphorically represented by an eagle and one manifestation that is metaphorically represented by a lion and another represented by a male human adult and one that is represented by an ox. So when they stood at the foot of Mount Sinai, and we understand that it was the greatest divine revelation, revelation ever in history, unparalleled, not to be repeated until Moshiach comes. So they got to see and experience these things. And likewise, at, at the splitting of the sea, we're told that even the children, even the maidservants were able to perceive prophetic visions at the time of the splitting of the sea that the greatest prophets of the, of the Tanakh, of the Torah, did not get to experience. So part of the vision that they had was the vision of this divine chariot. So they, that meant that they saw that there were four manifestations, four means of interaction between God and his world or between the world and God. One of those manifestations is the appearance of a male human adult, which would have been Moses. And the mystics explain to us that if you take God's name, Yud Kei Vav Kei, and you look at the, the, the Gematria, which is the numerical values of the word, it's going to amount in a particular 
sequence. In other words, depending, I, I don't want to get too technical right now, but in a particular way that you put the name together, you get the same numerical value as the word Adam, which is a male human adult. Or actually, Adam is humankind, but that's for a different time. And another variation is Bahama. Bahama is another way that you could put those letters together will give you the numerical value of the word Bahama, which is, generally speaking, an animal, a little bit more specific, cattle. So there's this thinking that if we if we have Moses, look, Moses has just gone up the mountains. That means that he's our representative to convey our petitions to God. And he's going to officially come down from the mountain. And that means to say that he's going to be the one to convey God's messages to us. Not only messages in the prophetic sense, as in you'll get out of Egypt, but messages in the life sense, as in he has a Torah and this is how you should live your life. And then they thought for a moment, hang on a second, but, but that may actually be a format that doesn't allow us to really achieve what God wants in this world. God doesn't just want the spirituality and holiness to exist on the human plane. God actually wants us to transform the world. So they start thinking, okay, Moses is not coming back. He said he would be back and he's not back. So perhaps there's another variation. There's four different manifestations of the divine image that, that we saw in this prophetic vision. Maybe we have to generate another one of those variations. The variation called Bahama, which essentially represents engaging the physicality of this world and elevating it to God. Now, so it sounds really profound. And I mean, you know, this is just a very, very summarized version without getting into too much of the detail, but you can be assured that if that Dorodea, that generation of incredible knowledge would have promoted their thinking to any of us, we would have bought it hook, line, and sink. I can assure you now they would have been in Sinai and Daba, and they would have had a following of who knows how many people, and we all would have been buying into this particular meditative practice, and we would all be doing it, thinking that this is exactly what God wants, and ultimately would have just been a slight variation, slight deviation off the path, because the path was actually, and here's the craziest part of it all the path was going to include some kind of golden representation of that divine manifestation remember the jews were going to build a mishkan they were going to build a tabernacle in that tabernacle they were going to make an ark they didn't know all this detail yet in that well according to some versions according to certain commentaries they did actually know this information already because the instruction to build the mishkan according to some commentaries was given before moses went up the mountain so they had access to this information and they knew that they'd be making an ark and inside that ark they would be placing these tablets Moses was going to bring down and on top of the ark they were going to make a golden image to represent a miniature version of one of those divine manifestations so the divine manifestation was going to be an adult human male and they were going to make baby humans the Kuruvim the cherubs which are like these baby humans to almost represent we have a small scale version of godliness in our lives and now you know, thinking that Moses isn't coming back, they come up with an idea and say well another variation is an ox so what's the miniature version of that oh that would be a calf and so they decide they're going to make a golden calf. And gold is significant because gold is a material that's used in mystical teachings to represent intense love and yearning for God. So they sounded very much in line with what Hashem would want. In the meantime, they were very much off because that's what happens with a slight deviation. So I think Sean's point is a very good point that the golden calf of today is any time that we try and reinvent Judaism to suit a particular agenda, perspective, or value set that we have. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m.
101.9 high FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Slight variation on the theme. Jackie on Twitter says politics as religious fundamentalism across the political spectrum are the contemporary avoidazaras. People believe that their ideologies will save humanity. And that's very similar, by the way, to what Sean has just said. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's, you know, very much to the point. I want to share with you, Rachamim over here said something very interesting. Modern version of the golden calf, the law of attraction. Now, how many years ago? It was probably at least 10 years ago when the law of attraction was a very popular thing. I'm not saying it's not popular anymore, but there was a time that it was very front and center. And he says, all the modern forms of self-help and new age practices for bettering ourselves and drawing abundance into our lives that see the intermediary laws God installed in the universe as if they were the source of that abundance are mistaken. So, also a similar theme, but I, I think it makes a very good point. Anything, anything that comes up, as the expression goes, new found ideas are not necessarily true ideas. Just because they happen to be popular and just because they happen to be in the headlines does not necessarily make them meaningful, genuine, or worth following. And I think that that's what we have to keep in mind. When we're going to talk about a modern-day golden calf, it's going to be a rah-rah kind of an experience. That's where a modern golden calf is going to be, exactly as it was then, where there was this rush and everybody was, you know, do it. it's crazy when you read about it. Rashi says that Aaron came up with a plan that let them ask their wives for jewelry because he was absolutely convinced that no woman is going to part with her jewelry, certainly not for a golden calf because the understanding is that the women were far better focused on the spiritual objectives that they should have followed than the men were. Didn't stop the men. They went, yanked, literally yanked the jewelry off their wives and said, yeah, here's the gold to build this golden calf. So there's a frenzy associated with a golden calf. It's popular. It's a populist fad. At the time, it's compelling. At the time, it's a wave. Everybody follows it. And then it will die. And with it, unfortunately, people will die. Not necessarily physically, but perhaps in their dedication will die. Their motivation will die. Their inspiration will die. Their Judaism will die. That's, that's a contemporary golden calf. A contemporary golden calf is any mass thinking that sounds very similar to Jewish principles, so similar that somebody could actually come along and say, look, I'll show you evidence in this place, that source, that verse, that book. They'll promise you all kinds of things. Try this practice. Go out into the, into nature. You know, use this kind of a meditation. Use that kind of a, an, an item. Whatever it is. There are so many variations and I don't believe that we'll exhaust the list and I don't believe we'll always be able to think of what the next one's going to be. So here's the common denominator between them all. A golden calf is a minuscule deviation off the path that God set for us because it is so subtle, that deviation. Most people are most likely not going to notice it and that's why it is quite dangerous, actually. So what's the solution? How do you stay out of the way of a golden calf? How do you golden calf proof yourself? There are a couple of methods. Number one, you keep learning the original sources. Number two, you don't learn them on your own. You have somebody who's your guide. You have somebody who's your study partner. You have people in your life you test these ideas on. Ask yourself a million and one questions to make sure that what you've understood is true and genuine and in line with the message rather than just bending the message to suit what you'd like it to mean. Not so easy to avoid golden calves. Apparently, they take down the best of people and they cause the most horrific results.
So there's food for thought. Thank you for all the people who gave some very insightful thoughts and communication today. Till next time, have a great Shabbos and pick you up on the airwaves, please God, this time next week.